Revelation chapter 13. I heard one time about a preacher got up to preach, and he said he was. He said uh, that he was full of a subject, and he preached on the devil. Well, I hope I'm not full of my subject, but I am going to preach on the Antichrist. Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 through 10, says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him as a power, and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things, and blasphemies. And power is given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given to him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now I've titled this message tonight, The Dynamic Duo. And really, so this is part one because next Sunday night, Lord willing, we'll see part two of this dynamic duo which we refer to as the beast and false prophet. But really, it is a dynamic trio. If you notice in chapter 13 here and verse 2, it is the dragon that gives him his power, his seat, and great authority. So this is really a dynamic trio. However, the world will only see the power, they will not see the power behind the dynamic duo. They don't recognize it's of the devil, which it is. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight, this dynamic duo. So let's, and we'll look at the beast. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time and your word tonight. I pray that you'd help us to understand what we need to understand from the truth of thy word. And Father, we do believe we're living in the last days. But Father, help us to live uh, uh, in light of that soon return of our Lord Jesus Christ, occupying till you come, being busy as a witness and testimony, allowing the Spirit of God to direct and lead in our lives and being fruitful in thy service for, for, for our good and for thy glory, we do pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's a couple of things I want to notice about this beast, as John calls him a beast out of the sea. First of all, his identification. In verses 1 through 3, he gives him, he identifies him. He says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea. 
having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, one of those seven heads, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. So this beast, as John refers to it, is going to be raised up out of the sea, it says. Now, if you would go to, go to Daniel chapter 7 and keep a bookmark or keep your finger there, because we're going to be going back and forth quite frequently, because Daniel is the key that unlocks Revelation, and Revelation is the key that unlocks Daniel. You, 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 to understand either book, you have to understand the other and compare the other. In Daniel chapter 7, in verse 3, in Daniel's vision, the Lord says to Daniel, And four great beasts come up, came up from the sea, diverse one from another. And then he describes these beasts and who they are. Then in verse 17, it says, These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall rise out of the earth. So when, Daniel, when, when, when John says in Revelation chapter 1, he, saw, he sees a beast rise out of the sea, he's talking about he's going to come out of the, the sea of humanity, if you will. He's going to come out of the earth. He is a man. This is a man. That it's going to come out of the earth. You know, we noticed, I think it was last week in Revelation 17, 15, when it talks about the flood of waters, it's, talking, it's, it's nations, kindreds, and tongues, and peoples. It talks about the flood of waters. So, so that's the, the, the meaning behind the sea. So he'll be raised up. This person will be raised up out of the sea of humanity. He is a man. And he'll be raised up from out of humanity. He is, he is also the fourth or last king of the world kingdoms that's described in Daniel chapter 7. In, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 19 uh, through 28, it says, Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which would be diverse from all others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet, and of the ten horns that were in his head. Now, this is the, this is the only beast that, that describes as having ten horns. Uh, all the others were not, are not figured that way. And the ten horns that were in his head, and the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that speaketh very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them until the ancient days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, shall devour the whole earth, shall tread it down and break it in pieces, and the ten horns out of this kingdom, notice, are ten kings. So there's, there's the meaning of the ten horns. Uh, or the, or the, yeah, the ten horns and the ten crowns referred to in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. So there are ten kings that shall rise, and another shall rise after them. He shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue the three kings. And that's, that's of course, this beast. He shall speak great words against the Most High, shall wear out the saints, 
of the, of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand, and notice this phrase, until a time and times and dividing a time. And we've seen that before in the book of Revelation five times in chapters 12 and 13. And it's referring to the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. Verse 26 says, But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. So he is the fourth or the last king of world kingdoms. And after his time, times, and half a time, or it's going to tell us here in uh, uh, Revelation 13, again, it's going to make reference to 40 and two months. So after his time, he's going to be destroyed by the Lord Jesus Christ and who's going to set up his kingdom. So he is the last king of the world kingdoms. But he is also, he is also the composite, you might say, of all former kingdoms. Now there's an interesting description here, and if you compare it with Daniel's description, uh, you'll understand it, where it says in verses 1 and 2 here of, of Revelation 13, that I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, upon his heads ten crowns, upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like, so he's making a comparison. He's like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So again, in Daniel chapter 7, and I told you to keep your place there, and I didn't. But in Daniel, in Daniel, in chapter 7, Daniel describes four empires as four different beasts, and those four beasts represent four different empires. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 4, the first was like a lion, had an eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth, and, and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. So, and this is, this is comparable, you remember the statue that, uh, the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had, and there was a, there was a image uh, with a head of gold, and then a breast and arms of silver, and then the thighs and belly of brass, and then the legs of iron, and then the iron, uh, the legs of iron, and then the feet were, were mixed with iron and clay, well, the head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar, and that's what uh, uh, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar. You are the head of gold. There's going to come in a kingdom after you that's inferior to you. That would be the murder Medo Persian Empire. That's the, head, that's the arms and chest of silver. And then brass would be the Greece Empire, the Greek Empire, Alexander the Great. And then the final empire, the legs, would be Rome. And it's an excellent picture of Rome. There's two legs. You know, Rome became divided east and west. And later it kind of crumbled. And you know, if in the image, the, the legs are kind of cracked. And then you have these ten toes. That's going to be the revived, what we call the revived Roman Empire. And I'll explain that a little bit more later. But which is still yet to come. Which I believe is in the works. Uh, in the European Union. 
But notice here, so this lion then is Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 5 talks about another beast, second like to a bear. Uh, you know, a lion is the king of beasts, and Babylon was the king of the kingdoms. It was the glory of the nations. Uh, Medo-Persian was a massive empire, large. It was kind of huge and cumbersome. It moved slowly, not like a lion or like a leopard. As we're going to see, the third one's like a leopard. That would be Alexander the Great. He moved very, fast, very, very quickly, very fast. Um, so that would be Greece. And then the, third, the fourth one was the Roman Empire. But here in Revelation 13, he describes it as a leopard, the feet of a bear, and the mouth of a lion. He's the composite of all these former empires, you might say. And the seven heads that are spoken of here speak of world dominion. Your Rome conquered all the known world. There's seven continents in the world. And, of course, the, word, the, the number seven speaks of complete. And so we, the idea, I believe, here is of complete or total world dominion. Uh, you know, there, there have also been seven world powers that have opposed the plan of God in history. Babel, Genesis chapter 10. Egypt, in the book of Exodus under Pharaoh. Assyria in 2 Kings, um, under uh, Togoth-Panesar and Sennacherib, Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, Medo-Persia, Greece, and then Rome. And, and so, so th- you know, this is a composite of all these empires, these world empires, put together, you might say. He's going to rule, and there's going to be some resemblance of each of these world empires in this empire, or in this king. And it says, one of the heads, and the interesting thing is here, it says, and I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, there's a lot of speculation about what this exactly means, and I'm not sure that we can be certain about it. However, this is my, this is my belief about this. If you don't agree with it, that's fine. But, uh, you know, some people believe that the man is going to be mortally wounded and somehow going to be resuscitated and resurrected, you know, that's a possibility. But I, I believe it refers to, you know, imperial Rome was defeated. Imperial or political Rome was defeated and kind of brought to an end. However, ecclesiastical Rome never was. And when imperial Rome was defeated, guess who took control? Ecclesiastical Rome did, or the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church has never, never lost its power. Now they were, they were, uh, they had a setback during the revelation, or the, during the, the revelation, during the the uh, Reformation, but that was short lived, really, as you consider history. But they usurped the power of the state, and they used the power of the state. They rode the power of the state. And Rome lived on in that ecclesiastical power. And as we're going to see next week, it's going to rise again with the help of that ecclesiastical power. Um, So 
so this is, you know, this is, this is, I believe that, that you know, they were going to be healed and come back into existence. You know, and, and this goes along with, remember, D- Daniel's vision, the ten toes is, the, is referred to as the kingdom that the ancients of days will destroy and set up his kingdom. So in other words, that ten toes was part of the, the Roman Empire that still has not been destroyed or we have not seen. And most commentators agree or believe that it is the that it is the European Union. Uh, so, so this, this he is, but this is so this is the composite you might say of all these empires put together. Uh, you know, in Daniel seven eight, you know, it talks about how he how he. Uh, has a mouth speaking great things. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, he says, He shall speak great words against the Most High, shall wear out the saints of the Most High, think to change times and laws, and they shall be given in his hand on a time and times and dividing a time. You know, this is, this is the one that's spoken of in Daniel 9, 27, where it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. In the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease for the overspreading of abominations. Make it desolate, even in the consummation that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So this is that one that's going to make a covenant with Israel for that seven-year period. Uh, Jesus spoke of this ant, this this beast, or this is the Antichrist, when he said in John five forty-three, "I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive." In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 10, Paul the Apostle uh, talks about the Antichrist and his coming. And he describes in this way, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So he describes him as a man of sin, a son of perdition, one that opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So he's going to set himself up as God. Again, this is a man. He's going to set himself up as God. He says in verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until be taken out of the way. And I, refer, I believe that's referring to the rapture of the saints there. The Spirit of God will be removed, and the restraining force of evil in this world will be removed. And Satan is going to be cast out of heaven in the middle of that tribulation period, and he has a short time. And all vengeance is going to be poured out on mankind uh, from the old devil. And verse 8 says, And then shall that wicked... He describes him as that wicked. That's a name that's given to him. Wicked. Be revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all the deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So this is the one that's spoken of. In, in, the, in the Bible, in different places, John spoke of him in 1 John 2.18. He said, Little children, it is the last time. Now as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it's the last time. 
He is the rider on the white horse in Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. You know, he is, he is a king. He is king over kingdoms. Uh, he is Satan's superman. If you notice in verse 5 of Revelation 13, they notice what is said about him uh, in verse, verse, verse 3. It says the, the end of the verse, All the world wandered after the beast. Verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So who is like him? There is none like him. There's none been none like him before. Uh, he is the Antichrist, the beast out of the sea. Uh, he will be a very dynamic uh, person, charismatic leader. But I want to notice his revelation or when he will be revealed. Notice verses 5 through 8. There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemy, and power was given unto him to continue Forty and two months. He has a time. His time is limited. He has forty and two months. Now, you know, that time is limited by God. Matthew tells us, except those days should be shortened, no flesh should be saved. This is that wicked. This is that man of sin, the son of perdition. And he has a time that he's confined to. And he will not really reveal his true identity, I believe, until those 40 and two months. Now, we know, and we, from comparing Scripture, that he is the rider on the white horse in Revelation chapter 6. But I don't believe the world knows that. Israel doesn't know that. He's the one that's going to make a covenant with Israel for seven years. And they're not going to realize that he's the Antichrist until the middle of the tribulation period. When he's going to cause the, 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 the sacrifices to cease and is going to uh, commit the abomination of desolation spoken of by Matthew and by Daniel the prophet. Then they're going to realize, oh, this isn't the Messiah. This isn't the one we've been looking for. So he has a time. He only has a short time, 42 months. Uh, he will speak blaspheme against God. As we see here in verse 5, uh, there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things, blasphemy, power him to continue 42 months. He opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name in his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So he's going he's gonna to blaspheme God. He's going to curse God. He's going he's gonna, to uh, blaspheme and defile the tabernacle or the temple that the Jews are going to build. Um, he's going to, of course, cause the, the abomination of desolation. He's going to blaspheme God's people. He will persecute the saints. Verse 7, it was given unto him to make war with the saints and overcome them. Power is given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. We saw in chapter 12 or chapter 11 that he's going to kill the two witnesses. So he's going to have power to persecute the people of God. But he will be recognized by the saved of that time. Now, 
in verses 8 through 10, there's an interesting statement, and I considered this, this statement that are made here. It says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So not all the world is going to worship him, but all the world that's not saved is going to worship him. Everybody that's not saved is going to worship this, this beast, this man. But see, God's people are going to recognize him. They're going to know who he is. They're going to know who he is. You know, the Spirit reveals truth to the children of God. And, and, and when you have the Spirit of God, you can recognize, if you're submissive to and sensitive to the Spirit of God, you can recognize evil and you can recognize that which is good. And so they're going to recognize him that, that, that he, this is not the Messiah. Uh, this is a false Messiah. And he says, if any man have an ear, let him hear. You know, that was, those, that's a phrase that Jesus used often in the parables in Matthew, and he also used it in every letter to the seven churches of the book of Revelation. And so it's kind of the idea is, you know, set up and take notice. And then he makes, this, makes two statements here. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now, that, that phrase has puzzled me, and, and this is what I come up with, and maybe you can come up with something better. But, you see, the saints recognize two things. Number one, true religion does not enslave one to a system of beliefs or creed. You know, the religions of the world enslave their inheritance, adherence to a system of beliefs or a creed. One of the things that's often been said about Baptists and knowing the history of Baptists is that, and, and, and some of us, some people have been critical, critical of the Baptists in that they don't, they don't uh, put a lot of things in writing. And, and I know one historian said Baptists are not a creedal people. In other words, they don't have, you know, the, 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 the Protestants and the Catholics, they put out all these creeds that they live by. It's, really, it's a list of do's and don'ts. That's what religion does. It has a list of do's and don'ts. It's a, it's a creed by which they, 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 have a, you know, they, they establish their standard, and, and some of it may be biblical, and a lot of it's not biblical. You know, see, Baptists don't have a list of, of do's and don'ts that, re, that are required to be uh, uh, a Baptist. It, you know, Christianity, Bible Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts, but it's a person and a relationship with that person. And so when I say that true religion does not enslave one to a system of beliefs or a creed, and that, in other words, we're not captive to a religious system that's leading us to hell. But here, these are, this, this Antichrist is going to lead people captive, along with the false prophets we'll look at next week. They're going to lead people captive to a system of belief that's going to lead them to the captivities of the, the depths of hell. And to this day, many are captive, held captive. They live in fear 
of a religious system. Afraid they'll be cursed if they leave that system. Secondly, true religion or Bible Christianity does not coerce or force conversions. There's a a, a saying, I've heard it many times, quote, a person persuaded against their will is unpersuaded still, unquote. So if if you force religion with a sword, which is what, or with fear or coercion, you can get people to go along with you. But, but Jesus said, he that, he that, uh, 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 he told Peter, what did he say? He that uh, uh, strike with the sword shall perish by the sword. In other words, it wasn't that Peter needed to defend himself. Jesus could have called 12 legions angels. He didn't need Peter to defend himself. That wasn't, that wasn't the, the purpose of that. Uh, no, uh, Jesus is telling Peter, look, we're not spreading the gospel with the sword. How does more, uh, not Mormons, how does, how does uh, uh, Islam spread their religion? By the force of the sword. Catholicism historically has spread their religion by the force of the sword. Now, they would say, and I'm just going to throw this out there, I'm going into this a little bit when I sleep, that they have never shed the blood of anyone. Now, how can they say that? I'll tell you how they can say that. Because they ruled the state. And they would condemn, they would condemn the person as a heretic, and then it was the responsibility of the state to put the heretic to death, of course, by their official sanctification. But they would say they did not themselves put the heretic to death. Not to mention that the executioner was always a Catholic. They controlled the state, but then they would say, but but we we didn't we didn't you know we didn't we didn't put the heretics to the sword. No, they only killed fifty to eighty million of them. But see, he that killeth with a sword will perish with the sword. True religion does not put ones to the force of the sword. True religion is one of patience and faith, waiting on the promises of God. And so God's people are going to recognize him for who he is. They will not, and as we're going to talk about a little bit next week, they're not going to take the number of his name. They're not going to receive the mark of the beast. They will not worship him. They will give their lives, trusting, waiting upon the promises of God, rather than deny Him. And so He, His revelation, He will reveal. However, you know we know from from Second Thessalonians chapter two, He will not be revealed until He that now letteth will let. And the word "let" means to hinder. And again, there's something hindering his revelation or his, his revealing to the world, and he will not be revealed. I don't believe he'll really be revealed till the middle of the tribulation. He won't be revealed. The world won't recognize him for who he is till the middle of the tribulation. He's going to be revealed to God's people, I believe, at the beginning of the, revela- of the tribulation. 
you know, a lot of people have tried to guess who he is. You know, for years, you know, some people thought Hitler was the Antichrist. He's a good type of it. He was a lot of, had a lot of the same characteristics. Um, <laughs> some people used to think Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist, or would be the Antichrist. He's still living, by the way. Uh, some talked about the King of Spain. You know what I say? I really don't care because we ain't going to know. So why waste my time trying to guess who he is? He's not going to be revealed until we're gone. So after the rapture, the saints. And then he will be revealed to the earth. But also notice the third thing, his authorization, his authority comes from Satan himself. In verse 2, it says, And the beast which I saw was like under a leopard, his feet were as the feet of a bear, his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And again in verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast who was able to make war with him? So he gets his power, his authority, from Satan himself, the old dragon. And you know, in Matthew 4, 8 through 9, you remember Satan, when he tempted Jesus, he offered him all the kingdoms of the world if he would fall down and worship him. And of course, Jesus didn't, didn't do that. Uh, but here you have Satan, again, has given to this man what he offered Christ. All the kingdoms of the world. And this is, this is the world's Superman. Uh, you know, he has, he has all power and all authority. W.A. Criswell in his commentary on the book of Revelation says this, quote, Think of the golden majesty of Babylon, or the mighty ponderous massiveness of Cyrus and Persia. Think of the beauty and elegance and intellect of the ancient Greek world. Think of the Roman with his laws and his order and his idea of justice. All of these glories will be summed up in the majesty of this one eventual Antichrist who will be like, Nebuch like a Nebuchadnezzar, a Cyrus, a Tiglath-Pileser, a Shalmaneser, a Julius Caesar, a Caesar Augustus, an Alexander the Great, a Napoleon Bonaparte, a Frederick the Great, and a Charlemagne, all bound up in one. Impressive it is to read what God has written in his book that the final captivating, spellbinding, bewitching, resplendent ruler of this world's system. He is Satan's masterpiece. This is Satan's, this is the best that Satan can do. And Satan gave him his glory and his power and his throne and his authority. All the things that Christ spurned are bestowed upon him. So, you know, this is, this is the world's Superman. This is, he is the one that's going to receive uh, the offer that Satan made to the Lord. And, of course, the Lord spurned it. But he's going to give it to this man. All the kingdoms go. And, 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 and you know, he, he is going to accept that. And he is going to be given it not only from Satan but by the kings and kingdoms of the world. If you notice in verses 3 through 4, it says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. His deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? 
You know, so all the, not only does Satan give him his authority, but the kings of the world are going to cede their authority to They're going to give their authority to him. You know, will a world worship a man as God? Again, in his commentary, W.A. Criswell said this, page 107. Quote, when I had read this when I was a youth, I would have thought, not in our enlightened age. Such a thing is impossible. But later I stood day after day at radios, listening to hundreds of thousands of Italians crying, El Deuce, El Deuce. I stood before the same radios, listened to hundreds of thousands of Germans crying, De Fuhrer, De Fuhrer. These Italians and Germans who cried this belonged to the most cultured, enlightened, civilized, and literate of all the nations that have ever existed. Yet they looked upon their hero and their leader as though he were God. You know, the Germans worshipped Hitler like he was a god. The Japanese, we know, worshipped their emperor. He was a god to them. We still have this. North Korea. And in other parts of the world. An interesting thing is, the world is looking for such a person. Uh, in a paper I'd received years ago, I found this article uh, concerning the end time and about the Antichrist. It says, in this connection, we must realize that it is not only globalists who are looking for a new world leader. At the same time, the Buddhists are looking for the fifth Buddha, the Muslims for the Imam Mata, the Hindus for the new incarnation of Krishna, and the Jews are looking for their Messiah. All expect their Savior to come and set up the kingdom of God here on earth. Combine these groups with the New Agers who are looking for the Christ Maitreya to come and lead the world into a new age of peace and prosperity on planet earth. And it becomes readily obvious that much of the world, globalist leaders, religious traditions, and New Agers are looking for a world leader and are wide open to the deception of the miracle-working Antichrist. Historian Arnold Townby said this, quote, By forcing on mankind more and more lethal weapons, and at the same time making the world more and more interdependent economically, technology has brought mankind to such a degree of distress that we are ripe for the deifying of any new Caesar who might succeed in giving the world unity and peace, unquote. Henry Spock former General Sec Secretary General of NATO, said this, quote, We do not want another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man, a sufficient stature, to hold the allegiance of all the people and to lift us out of the economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, and be he God or devil, we will receive him, unquote. So will the world worship a man like this? Yeah, they will. They will. They're going to give him. They're going to cede their authority to him. And 
So he's going to receive his authority. It's going to be given to him by the world powers and, of course, by Satan. But you notice his destruction. His destruction. Look at Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 and verses 8 through 11. You know, Daniel also describes his end. Daniel 7. Uh, Verse 8 through 11. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. The little horn is the Antichrist, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in his horns, horn were eyes like the eyes of a man of mouth, speaking great things. I beheld till the, anci- till the thrones were cast down, the ancients of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels a burning fire. And it's, of course, speaking about the Lord. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were open. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain, and his body destroyed, and giving, given to the burning flame. Now go to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. And we see the destruction of this one we call the Antichrist, which will be at the Battle of Armageddon, which is mentioned in other places in Revelation as well. But, but here it talks about his end. Verse 17, Revelation 19, 17. He saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God. They may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them. The flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. You know, he, he is going to come to his end. He only has a short time. And God, the great God and our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, is going to destroy him with the sword out of his mouth. He that, he that lives by the sword shall perish by the sword. The sword out of his mouth. So he that killeth with the sword is going to be killed by the sword of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's going to be destroyed by the Lord. And he's going to be brought to an end. You know, the Bible says, He that saveth his life shall lose it. You know, if, if you are, will lay down your life, surrender him as Lord and Savior, giving yourself up to the Lord, you will save your life. Receive eternal life. The Antichrist, like so many that have an antichrist spirit or attitude. You know, John talked about that spirit of antichrist. He said there are many antichrists, many that have the spirit of antichrist. And, you know, the spirit of antichrist is, I will be my own God. I will determine how I worship God. I will determine how I get to heaven, if there is a heaven. Nobody... You know, I will do what I want to do. And God will let you. 
See, the Antichrist was not an Antichrist. He was Antichrist because he chose to be. God will not coerce you or force you, but there is an acceptable way to God. There is an acceptable sacrifice to God, and that is in a person, Jesus Christ. You know, the Antichrist is cast in the lake of fire, not because he was the Antichrist, but because he chose to reject and worship God and go on his own. You know, there's an interesting phrase made about Judas in Acts chapter 1. It says, Judas went to his own place. See, Judas decided, I'm not going to follow Christ. I'm not going to surrender my life to him. I'm not surrendering my will to him. I'm not giving up my I want in life. I'm going to do it my way. And he went to his own place. You know, the Antichrist decided, he was a man just like you and I. I'm going to do it my way. You know, of course, he ends up in the lake of fire where all who refuse to accept the acceptable sacrifice for sin will end up. Those who, you know, really the Antichrist means against Christ or in place of Christ. And when you refuse to accept Christ, you are putting yourself into his place, choosing your own way. Instead of accepting God's way. And of course, the way of God is described here in Revelation 13 is the patience and faith of the saints. God is patient with man, giving him opportunity to repent. You might say, you know, some people say, well, I don't know why God allows such a thing to, to, to go on on the earth. You know, God gives man opportunity. God is long-suffering to us, for not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, these people that we read about here in the book of Revelation, God is giving them opportunity after opportunity. They have the angel flying through heaven with the everlasting God. They have the 144,000 running around preaching the gospel. And yet many will follow and worship the Antichrist because they refuse to bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you refuse to bow your knee before the Lord Jesus Christ, you eventually will end up in a place with the Antichrist, the lake of fire. And so... We need, to, be, we need to, to not have that spirit of Antichrist, but accept the Lord Jesus Christ as the only acceptable sacrifice, the only acceptable way to God. You see, the Antichrist sets up his own way, just like the Pharisees had set up their own way, like many today have set up their own way to God. No, we must accept God's way or perish with those who reject him. Oh, there's the Antichrist will be revealed, but is yet future. Thank the Lord we won't be here if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's going to save us from the wrath that is to come. And we don't know when this is going to happen, but we need to be faithful 
witnessing for him until he comes.